Got Me High is proud to be sponsored by Is This Tomorrow? Yes, that's Is This Tomorrow, available at isthistomorrow.com. Is This Tomorrow is a weekly web comic cataloging the antics taking place at the Zorro News Channel and featuring such characters as George Kleenex, weatherman Benjamin Dover, Man on the Scene, J.B. Horns, political commentator Taffy Tart, media personalities Travis Slaughter, conspiracy theory expert J. Elwood Compton III, paranormalist Murph Davies, Senator Stroller, political apologist Dr. Iggy, Christian ventriloquist Fred Gastro and his puppet Woody, and the strangely familiar Stocky Bear in his smelly, itchy costume. All of this at isthistomorrow.com. That's isthistomorrow.com. Five, four, three, two, one. All right, let's do this. This is another episode of That Record Got Me High. That's Barry Stock. That is Rob Elba. And we are once again doing it live at Laser Wolf. Let's hear it, everyone outside at Laser Wolf. Let's hear it. Open up. Yes, we're live at Laser Wolf. And this is a very special live at Laser Wolf because we have a special guest, and it is Mr. Charlie Pickett. Hello, Charlie Pickett. Hi, 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 hi. Welcome to the show. We explained, we already explained to Charlie what a podcast is, <laughs> so he knows now. So. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. And now it works. And we're doing a record. First of all, Charlie, welcome. It's great to have you. Thank you. Uh, I've known Charlie. How long have I known you? Uh, 30 years, probably? Uh, since 82-ish. Yeah, yeah. We so played known... uh, shows at the Agora. We played shows at the Agora at 27 Birds. I used to be afraid. I was afraid to talk to Charlie because he was a grown... Even then, he was, grown the, ass man. he was the grown-ass man, the rock and roller. And I'm so happy that you didn't pick a... Rolling Stones record because I thought for sure you would have picked, but you did not pick a Rolling Stones record. What is the record you picked, Charlie? I picked Fire of Love by Gun Club. Yes, Fire of Love by Gun Club. I was thrilled when I heard that. Oh, good. I'm glad. Yeah. And so was I. Yeah, I was wondering. Me and you have never discussed it, so I wasn't sure, but I thought there's no way Barry's not a fan of the Gun Club. I'm a fan of the Gun Club. So just real quick, Charlie, I just want to give an overview to any of you who don't know who Charlie is, which I hope no one here doesn't know who Charlie is. But uh, he's uh, kind of a legend in these parts. He's got um, Live at the Button, uh, Route 33 was on Twin Tone, uh, The Wilderness produced by Peter Buck. He's toured the country. He's respected all over. Before he came here tonight, he called, uh, what the hell is that guitar player's name? Jim Duckworth. Jim Duckworth of the Gun Club, just to make sure his notes were correct, uh, you know, that he had everything correct. So Charlie's been around. Charlie knows a few things about a few things. And uh, so let me pay you a tribute for a second. No, no, don't. Oh, yes, no, 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 here we go. I was at the uh, Agora one night, and uh, Rob's band was playing. And the band was good. It was, the band was okay. The ex-cons, and we weren't said, that good. I <laughs> said to Rob, you know what you're doing on stage, and you know why you're here. I remember you. T- I remember him saying that, that to me. I was like, I was like a kid, practically. I remember Charlie saying yeah. it was. So I do remember that. Thank you so much, Charlie. So tell me about uh, the Gun Club. What was it about? Do you, can you remember like the first time you heard them and where you were? I definitely do. Um, we were right here at, at uh, Progresso Plaza, and uh, it was when Open Books and Records ah, was that's here. That's right. And Ted so Godfrey, historic. Ted Godfried says, you, you have to hear this record. And I said, yeah, yeah, you know. Right. Uh, You've heard that before. Yeah, m- many, too many times. <laughs> so uh, he puts this on, and within, I don't know, one minute I was hooked. It put, the first song on the record is Sex Beat. Yeah. And uh, it's just, it was just, I went, oh, my God. Why, why haven't I done this? You know, it was, it was depressing for right. at least a week. Wow. 
this is this recipe is so obvious, but nobody had done it. Absolutely not. And uh, so yeah, I do remember the first time I heard it. it All right, so you were and yeah, you were hooked. And and I I will say I there's been there's bands that I discovered through you through Charlie. I mean honestly, it's almost I'm almost embarrassed to say the first time I heard the. Velvet Underground or the Flamin' Groovies was Charlie Pickett's band covering them. And I thought it was original, and it's like, oh, no, no, that's a that's actually a band called the Velvet Underground. <laughs> and I went out and got Velvet yeah. Underground and the Flamin' Groovies. So I, I was schooled on that. But the uh, Gun Club, I also did come across them pretty early on. How about you, Barry? This album came out in 1981. Yeah, 81. I wasn't hip to them in 81 for sure. Um, I think that I probably, it was probably mid-80s by the, before I heard them. Um, I'm not sure why, because I, I was into X, and I liked X, but, yeah. you know, I probably even heard Flesh Eaters. I don't know why, but Gun Club, I, I hit a little bit later. And it, Gun Club was a little bit, in, you know, it's a little bit intimidating, because it's, 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 it's a little scary. It's like, yes, a, yeah. it's scary. It's like, oh, these, these aren't, they're not screwing around. This seems real, you know? Absolutely. And, and you know, the, the thing of it is, it wasn't like they were born into a, into a, a bleak landscape. Uh, the cramps were in front of them in time. Right. And what the cramps did for fun and for kitsch and stuff like that, the gun club were serious <laughs> right. about. Right. Yeah. They weren't, yeah. Although the cramps did pull off that one gig, the world's most d- bizarre oh, the, gig. At the mental institution, yeah. Incredible. Seek that video out if you wanted. The yeah. cramps at the mental institution is uh, pretty terrifying. Yeah, it is. It is. All right, so I saw Charlie. I found, actually, on the Trash Fever site, there was a sort of an interview you did with the Gun Club in uh, yeah. 1982. Yeah. So do you remember? Do you have any recollection of this, Charlie? Yeah. Uh, Gottfried and I drove up to Atlanta. And it was freezing, and it was a freezing rain. And when we got there, uh, they uh, they had nobody. There was nobody in the club. There was eleven people. That's including the bartenders and the bouncers and everything. And that's at six eighty eight. That's a big room. Oh wow! And so we walked back. I mean, we you know we just walked back and said hi. How are you? And and they uh, they treated us very nicely. They they were very receptive to us. And. Years later, when we went out there in 82, they said to us, we couldn't believe that you came to see us in Atlanta <laughs> because they were playing it so cool. They had, you know, they were like, oh, well, oh, hi, you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, secretly, they were thrilled. But, oh, yeah. And so anyway, the point is that um, uh, when I interviewed them, I don't even remember it offhand, but I do remember Jeffrey talking very... Um, very little about his guitar playing, and 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 he, he almost denigrated it. And I, Which I didn't even realize that he was it. That he started out as a, a guitar player. Oh, I, I picture before him as I a ever man. saw. No, but the, I had the same picture as it's what Charlie's describing. Is before I ever saw pictures or video of him, I always assumed it was a trio, and that he was playing. I probably didn't look at the back of the record. Frankly, I'm just you know I, I just get into the music, and the rest of it doesn't really matter to me that much. Um, so I assumed it was a trio, and then you see video. I'm like, oh, wait a second, there's, there's that guy playing, and he's a front man. Um, I sadly I had the same impression about a gang of four for a long time. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe you just didn't pay attention that well. I'm into the music. That's my problem. Yeah. Well, Jeffrey, you know, he, he denigrated the guitar playing, and and he and he said, well, you know, I've given it up. I'm not really into it. And uh, like a, like you said, Rob, earlier, I, I talked to Jim Duckworth today, and Jim Duckworth said, no, no, he he was very uh, proud of his guitar playing, but he did. Uh, decided to not play it anymore live, right? Um, but that he could really play. He could, and on the on their third record, uh, Death Las Vegas Story, he 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 plays a lot of guitar on that. And there's some great guitar so stuff. So is that he I playing in like an open did. tuning, like uh, Kid Congo is on most of that stuff? So it's really bl- very blues. You know. He did, and that was one of the. I'm in that interview. You ask him like, "What's your favorite open tunings?" And he said, "Oh, I use G and some E." And yeah, yeah. he was definitely talking about that a little. Yeah. And uh, which obviously that's right in your wheelhouse, Charlie. Right, right, that's right. Your tra- and all the playing on, like on this record, especially, is very raw. I mean, very primal. The, it uh, is the, the the slide playing is yeah, simplistic, but it's, it, but it's just it's so, in tune. It, and it, <laughs> which is <laughs> that's really the key with slide playing. You can be as primitive and raw as you want, as long as it's in tune, you're good. But once you're starting to drift, as you know, and your eye starts to twitch, that's when it's a problem. 
Well, you know, what they said was, what Jim said was that that when they did Fire of Love, uh, it was Ward Dotson, it was Rob Ritter, and it was uh, the drummer Terry Graham, and they just, they worked hard on it. it you can tell, this is not a, a, a an effort of, of some kids rolling into a studio right, and, and, and just making it up as they go along. If you listen to Rob's guitar, it's never above three or four. Yeah, right. It's very interesting, and, and, and yet... You know the the bass is right there with him. It's a it's a very rhythmic record, and it's it's. it's you can hear them listening to each other because you, you can hear like a tempo will start to stop start to drift, and you can hear them listen and get back in, and everybody line up again and get back oh, in yeah. the groove. Oh yeah, I say I was wondering. Do you think it sounds like most of it had to be done live because yeah, yeah. the way the uh, dynamics of them bringing stuff down and bringing it up, yeah. it, you have to be all together and singing it together too. Right. Because the way he's singing with them and everything, I feel like a lot of it was done live, but. Um, it is. It's just so great. And there's not, I would, could say again, we said this about the last record we did, there's not a bad song on this Absolutely goddamn not. record. But, well, because it's, it, it moves. It, it doesn't, it's not, there's not like 15 songs, you know. You get to, there's 11 songs, and most of them are, you know, two, two and a half minutes, and uh, you, uh, everyone's different. Every song's got a different, different feel, different, you know. Uh, so Charlie, you have another uh, another gun club connection, especially personally for me, was around. You're saying maybe it was around 1983 or so. Richard Shelter, uh, famed uh, local uh, promoter down here, had a short-lived club in Hialeah called Blitz, and he brought uh-huh. uh, the gun club down. And uh, Charlie Pickett, you guys opened for the Gun Club, and I, they they flew. This is one of these things where they would fly to gigs. They I think they got like this pass. You could get an airline pass where you could fly as many places as you want. Yeah. For like one fee, like a monthly fee. So they just flew down. And now this is a story I heard, and I guess we okay. Could, I we bet could, this is the same story I've. Well, heard. this is, and I'm sure you could verify it, even though you're not directly involved, because. Um, because Charlie, one thing you've always played with people that were. <laughs> that, I know that, where this is. I know where well, this is going. that part took. What is it? You know, what is it about this kind of music and drugs and especially heroin? Is like, does does the music necessitate the heroin or does the heroin necessitate the music? Like, what can't you do? Well, obviously you can do one without the other. I think it's, a, it's a mythos. Was I a think good, it's Charlie a, was always a good boy. There's like a. I think there's a. There's a. There's a. It's like when. People thought that they could do heroin and play like Charlie Parker. And a few of them could. Most of them couldn't. Most right. of them just were terrible junkies without the talent. <laughs> All right. So, But the story was when they came down, they get off the plane and Richard went to get them. And the first thing they ask is, where can we get Yeah, Where can we get dope? Well, you know, I, I, yes, it's true. As yeah, I understand right. it, it's true. And then he um, introduced but, them to a couple of members of your band and they were okay. Yes, they, they, okay. they <laughs> arranged a <laughs> solution. Right, right. So... Uh, uh, but when we went to go pick him up, we went with uh, my then-girlfriend, uh, Nara Vesley, and she had a great 65 Mustang convertible blue. was astounding. And uh, I didn't know how to get back from the Miami airport at that point in time. So we, we went, we drove around for 25 minutes, lost, and ended yeah. up in the same place. And once we ended up in the same place, I, I then got us out the second time. But I remember Jeffrey in the back of her of her uh, Mustang, just, just absolutely miserable, and uh, yes. Yeah. So they showed up unpre- quote unquote, unprepared uh, for some, the somewhat, yeah. 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 But yeah. that was, but that was some show. I went to that show with my friend uh, Brian Dooley, me and my friend. We already had the uh, cassette of this uh, of this uh, record and uh, of Fire of Love, and the second one, Miami had already come out too. Yes. Which um, Chris Stein of Blondie that's produced, right. right? And uh, Jeffrey Lee was well, at one point he was the president of the Blondie fan club, Did which is <laughs> ego, man. Yes, that's and crazy. then it ends up Chris Stein produced their second record, and Debbie Harry sang backups yes. on a couple of songs. Credited as uh, some, some not you know, not some, as the Debbie Harry, not right, as Debbie. Right. Probably her, um, probably her record company was like, no, <laughs> you cannot be. <laughs> All right, so the thing about... I already got mad at one kid tonight, although I, I shouldn't have gotten mad at him for not knowing the gun. He goes, oh, no, I never heard of the gun club. Brady. It was Brady Newbold, by the way. But uh, I don't know if you're still here, Brady. But then I realized, oh, he's younger than I thought he was, yeah. so I guess he should get a pass. But I was kind of mad. How do you not know? Because the thing is... He's a Pixies. I know he's a huge Pixies fan, and if you're a Pixies fan, yeah. you should know about the Gun True. Club. You may not, but you should because that uh, template is very that 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 uh, loud, soft, loud thing. 
yeah. <laughs> was done way before the Pixies and Nirvana, all that. Well, uh, it's like the Cramps, too. I mean, th- some of those bands didn't... There was a... It's almost like there's a... the. For some people, it starts with the Pixies. They think, oh, yeah, right, yeah. Right, they, right. They, they, oh, those. And yeah. then you go, or it's like when you hear something that sounds like Joy Division and you go, tell somebody and they go, Joy Division? Who's that? <laughs> and you're like, really? You've never, you've never heard Joy Division? Right. And you play it for them and they're like, oh, you know. And, wow. uh, and also all these garagey type bands, like uh, Jacuzzi Boys, local, local, they're, they're great. We love them. But I mean, come on. When, you, when I'm listening to this record, I'm thinking, oh my God, this yeah. could be well, like, you know. There's actually a Cramps tune, a Cramps cover of a 60s song about weed called Green Fuzz. The song Green Fuzz is the actual template, whether they know it or not. Right. For the That's ja- the thing. Jacuzzi they may not know it. Right. Jacuzzi Boys, at least the first half of their career, you go, is that the Jacuzzi Boys? And you're like, no, it's the Cramps doing a cover of a 60s song, and it sounds exactly like Jacuzzi right. Boys. But like you said, it, it is if they know it or not, because basically any modern band playing a version of punk blues or garage rock, yeah. they owe something to the Gun Club, even they if they do. don't realize it, because maybe they were influenced by another band who was influenced by the Gun Club, and they even if they never heard the Indeed Gun Club. They I don't care. I think, well, I think what Jeff really probably did was he skipped, <laughs> he like, he like skipped backwards. He like just ignored a huge amount of of what rock and roll had done with blues. Absolutely, he absolutely did. Instead of stealing from the rural blues like the Stones did, he stole from rural blues. And he he stole from the root of it. He didn't steal from anything in between. He he, he walked right back into it and stole directly from it. His his big influence was Tommy Johnson. And Tommy Johnson, you know, everybody goes Robert Johnson, Robert Johnson, Robert Johnson. The the point is, Tommy Johnson was as big a figure in in the creation of of rural blues as as Robert Johnson was, and nobody knows about him because he recorded it. I don't know. I will admit, I could be like Barry and say, that's right, but I never heard of Tommy Johnson. (laughs) But the point is that Tommy Johnson, Robert Johnson sang and he sang, but Tommy Johnson. Johnson said, yeah, and he yeah, would go, yeah. and That's he it. would go down. That's the Jeffrey Lee and move. Jeff, yeah. And Jeffrey and Lee. And Je- Black Jeffrey Francis took that from him, and he did that later on, and it's great. Yeah. And I'm not to take away from him oh, anything, no, it's, but it's just been, it's great. It's, but it's brilliant. It's just been done. And, and, if, done and if you listen to, to Fire of Love, I, you know, part of it, I, I asked Duckworth today, I said, you spend more time with him than I did. I said, was, what was he like? And he goes, well, you know, truth <laughs> of the matter is, he was. I went to his house. Duckworth said, and he said I looked at his. his he, they had pictures of him on the mantle. He had a very normal house. He was living with his mother yeah. at <laughs> right. 24 or 25, and he, they had pictures of him. National Honor Society. Right. Oh, that's now, nice. Now <laughs> the, the the other part of it was that I asked Duckworth. Well, did you get the feeling he was a popular kid and? All that he goes no, no. The, the, he was the outsider, the outcast, was a smart yeah. outsider, and too smart for his own good, probably. And yeah, absolutely, it's too That's smart for up, yeah, too smart for Southern Such California. Such a tell, but I can imagine right. being in a band with him must have been tough. I've heard it, he could be difficult, could be a pain in the ass. He, he was very tough. That's been said by other people at this table too. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about, Barry. But yeah, that could be true. Just you know, as a matter of. Public record. How dare you? Um, all right, so let's get let's get into this goddamn record already. Um, the oh, sex beat, man. Oh god, the first song, sex beat. You just, I just implore you, if you guys don't know the gun, just go out and look up sex beat and listen yeah, to that, listen that song, song, and you'll be hooked. I guarantee, well, if you like, listen to the lyrics. Absolutely. It's cinematic. It's it's condescending and cinematic. Johnny's got a light in his eyes, and Shirley's got a light on her lips. Jake's got a monkey shine on his head, and Deborah Ann's got a tiger in her hips. That's how it starts out. I mean, how could you not? Kelsey's, Kelsey's up there already. Yeah, she's up there. Absolutely stunning, and and, and the, the opening guitar is loaded, and, and they use it as a as a as a as a single. So you got a 20 second opening guitar, right. and then it's right into it. This is Body Holly formula yeah. as far as the as far as the organization That's of it goes. Right. right, but all of the imagery that flows is just. Brilliant, stunning. Oh, yeah, this this song is basically prime. It's about the primal nature of sex. But I think every song in this record is either about sex or drugs. It yeah. is, <laughs> but it's also this song is about people who are they're they're using it 
that what's happening is they're using it for their escape. They're going and they're dancing and they're doing this primal dancing and they're going to screw later. But otherwise, their lives are, are they're trapped in lives of misery. Yeah. And this is their escape. <laughs> really, it's heavy. It's heavy shit. That's really good. They're stupid like I told you. Very stupid like you saw. Very stupid as a simple thought of ever thinking at all. And all their mind, all their souls, all their body, all we know, all the things that should have made us whole, all the colorless security was all that someone could go and move. So that's they do all that bullshit so they can go and throw themselves against the wall on the weekend. Absolutely right, Barry. <laughs> Absolutely right. And he's condescending as hell, but it's a very astute observation. Oh, it is. And he was su- su- such a good lyric writer. I mean, these lyrics are like poetry. And They're then, like junky and poetry. Then the third, exactly. So and then the third verse, he's talking about some girl that has thinks she's going to, she thinks she's got Jeffrey Lee wrapped around her finger. And he discusses, you know, and, and yes, you do look cool. And by the floodlight so blue, you make my tropical apartment's bed your sacrificial pool. Um, and further on down we can fuck forever but you will never get my soul get my soul he covers he covers standard ground drugs and sex and yet he covers them in a whole different way he does he he talks about them in a different way and like you said barry his approach his approach and his attitude and his view is absolutely original (laughs) well he's frankly you know in this song, he's he's being a, he's a, being a little bit snobby. He is the guy Absolutely. that's too smart for his own good. He get he understands what's going on, and he's going to tell the people who don't quite get it. Hey, just so you know, this is what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then we get now we get song number two. We get a Robert Johnston uh, song, "Preaching the Blues," arranged by Jeffrey Lee. This this song right here is is the perfect example because it's uh, "Preaching the Blues," yeah. which I heard Barry. Uh, played in the outro of our last episode Barry I played, played the Sunhouse version which is it's great similar time period hard to say who wrote it who came up with it first but okay. Johnson's is slicker and Sunhouse's is more primal more know? primal but this is primal but it's yeah. fast it's punk rock this yeah. is like That's punk right. rock blues it's yeah. played like crazy fast yes but uh, controlled, and it's just—it's just amazing. It just blows me away every time I hear this song. I think, how do they? How do they play this so fast in the studio and keep up? And it's just—it's just amazing. And this has got that—got that loud, soft loud. Brings it down and brings it up. Well, there's somebody that there's another band that we should mention here because he actually he, he references them at least on some live stuff. Is Credence, CCR, LA, California boys who played this. If you didn't know that you they think were, they could be from Louisiana or something, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's the right. same thing where somehow. I mean, the, the first time you heard them, didn't you think they were from of Louisiana? Course. Yes, yeah. yes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. I remember, you know, apologies. I remember if I told the story already, but I remember I was a kid. I'd go visit my dad in Illinois, and there was these there was these apartments across the street. It was an upstairs downstairs apartment, and there was these scary people lived in the bottom. Part of it, the, the Gravits and the Gravits, Johnny Gravits, who was like a ne'er do well, but they had rented a stereo system. I remember I was like five or six years old, and I remember sitting on the front porch of my dad's house in Quincy, Illinois, and Johnny Gravits had uh, run run through the jungle, blasting out of the the speakers in his house, and it was very it was impressive and scary. And scary. That's what <laughs> that, that's what infected you, Barry. Yeah. Nah, yeah. And now, ironically, Barry, you are that creepy family now. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. All right, so we grab it's Mark II. The third song on this record is "Promise Me," and this is the this is the first one to have that really have that creepy swampy sound that we were just talking about. Yes, it's got that uh, swampy that could be yeah. uh, It's got that vibe, and I don't know what the fuck he's singing about in this song, but it's the sound really cool. (laughs) Through eyes like fireflies, turn around and tell me it'll be all right. Is it all right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and in this one, they, they really, you know, all the rest of them is true. You know, they're very original, but this one, they, they, they hit a wholly original sound. And then there's, it's like Let It Bleed in a way. It's, mm. There's not a lot of musical notes going on, but oh my God, there's yeah. tons of air and tons of atmosphere. Yeah, atmosphere. Just exactly. laying down yeah. on you. And the viol- this this also has that uh, violin in there that just makes yeah. it that little violin right. and makes it creepy. It and did remind me a little of uh, heavy Velvet Under Velvet well, Underground. It's with got the, the kale where he would just play the one note exactly. on the viola. The uh, droning, yeah, the droning violin. sings through there. Um, 
Very Maybe that somebody promised him they were going to, you know, bring in some drugs and they didn't. Could be always be that. <laughs> that's, that's a good, I think that's a strong guess. <laughs> speaking of that, speaking of drugs, we get the fourth song, which is, this is one of my, fa- as, as I said, every song on this record is great, but yep. she's like heroin to me. This is vicarious drug use. Right, yeah, yeah. it is, it yes. is. Because it's about, it's like a love, it's kind of a love song, but it's a love song to a girl, but it's more of a love song to, to drugs. Sure. A little bit, yeah. The thing that pisses me, you know what pissed me off? He mentioned some drugs in here. He does. You know what pissed me off about this song? Is I'm not, I have nothing against System of a Down, the band System of a Down. Right. But when you Google the title, She's Like Heroin, you get the System of a Down song because they have a song called She's Like Heroin, which is a good song and it's on their album oh, really? Hypnotize. Yeah. But I'm pissed because I couldn't find the fucking lyrics to this yeah. song because I kept getting the System of a Down. Yeah. Well, you know, I found them without too much trouble. No, eventually I found them, but I get angry. Eventually. I get angry easily. I get triggered easily. Really? <laughs> Jim McCready You don't me say. So, yeah, the great lyrics in this. Um, um, she's like a eye blue swimming pool. Okay, I'm going to stop you right there. All the lyrics that I read says eye blue. I don't think he's saying that. What do you he's think he's saying? saying? IV. IV, because he says uh, it a couple uh, times. Like, uh, IV swimming pool, like IV, intravenous. Uh, okay. She's like an intravenous swimming pool. Okay. Stop cool. right there. Swim pool. But she will never know that she is there. We sit together drunk like our fathers used to be. I'm looking up and God is saying, what, what are you, you going to do? do? I'm looking up and crying because I thought it was up to, to you. you. Yeah, man. <laughs> How great are those lyrics? That's right. Absolutely stunning. There's no, there's no, there's no template for that. Yes. Well, I, Dylan talking to God in uh, Highway 51. Oh, really? okay. Yeah, he yeah. says, uh, you know. Um, he says, How dare you mention Bob Dylan in the same breath as Jeffrey Lee Pierce in front of Charlie Pickett? In front of Charlie Pickett! I don't care whether Charlie's a Dylan fan or not. I, I think that I think that Highway 51, uh, Highway 61, and this record have some, there's some, uh, there's some overlap. See, I, well, that's the thing. I know, Charlie, you're very uh, particular in your taste. Will you admit to that? <laughs> yes, I am. You are, so that's <laughs> very why. Very narrow. Well, yeah, that's fine. All right, you say narrow. I said particular. I was being kind. Yes, you were. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact that you love this record so much and got into it just says a lot to me. It says that that this this grabbed you, like you saw something in this that was not only so great but was so original, and so of its of itself. Absolutely, it's it's, it's original and it's original in, in in several ways. I mean, oh my god, the lyrics we've been talking about absolutely yeah. original. She cannot miss a vein. Uh, yeah, yeah. How, what a great how great a line is that? Stunning and and and. Before that, before Jeffrey Lee, there wasn't this. I mean, there was yeah. there was this kind of meanness and this kind of attitude, but there was not this. It's like comparing, uh, oh, I don't know, the sixty-four stones, six, say, to the sixty-eight or sixty-nine stones. It's not the same gravitas. And then with with Jeffrey Lee and the, and the music here, it's just like, yeah. I mean, well, yeah, the sixty-nine you. stones were they were that was where people were going. They must be worshiping the devil because oh, yeah. of that vibe that <laughs> yeah. they're giving off. You know, I mean, Barry, you know, as you know more about blues than I do, and 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 That's frankly, tough. frankly, uh, would you have predicted this? No, because it's a weird. It's a. It just came out. Of, it's that came out. They, were, they came right. out of nowhere. All right, where did it come from? All right, but there's one thing I found online, which I don't know if you guys, either of you guys, saw this. But there's an Australian musician, Spencer P. Jones, who ended up playing with him and became good friends with Jeffrey Lee. But he swears that Jeffrey Lee's his his blues influence came from. Bob Height, who was from the band Can- called Candy. Can- okay, yeah. the Candy guy. He, he supposedly had this amazing blues collection, and he he befriended Jeffrey Lee, and he let Jeffrey Lee pick ten of his records. Okay, I read and that same thing. Supposedly, the ten of his records that he got were, were the- he picked these um, these these blues records that just and and that kind of makes sense because it's uh, okay. like where you would say where did it Here's come from? Here's the thing. Here, what I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a little water on that story is that it's a great story. It but is a great story. I think that Jeffrey Lee had already formed. Because that, that happened in 1981, this record came out in 1981, and, so, and that's true. Yeah. They were together. And Bob the Bear, I, yeah. you know, and the, I'm sure that the, he saw because Ken Heat had that same. There's that raw like thing where they're really tapping into like their original sound uh, that that the Gun Club has, where they're not sort of going at the rock and roll version of blues. It's like, oh, this is the people who are really have really listened to blues, and. Um, so I think Bob the Bear probably probably met Jeffrey Lee or Jeffrey Lee met him and they, you know, hit it off and maybe in more ways than one. Oh. And 
<laughs> well, well. That's fun. This is a good time. I think it's a good time to take a break right now. We're about at the halfway point. We're going to take a little break. We're going to refresh uh, some beers. We're at Laser Wolf. Uh, oh, that's right. We should definitely always thank Laser Wolf. Chris of Laser Wolf and Invasive Species Brewing. Yes. Uh, if you're local, you should come by here. Progresso uh, Drive. Can people get invasive? Can people get your shit if they live other places? Because you know we are worldwide. We have listeners in other countries. Now what's the address of Invasive Species Brewery? 726 Northeast 2nd Avenue, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Uh, so thank you so much, uh, Laser Wolf. We're going to take a little break. We're going to come back with more with Charlie Pickett talking about the gun club. We'll be back in a minute. That record got me high as proud to be sponsored by Is This Tomorrow? Featuring such characters as George Kleenex, weatherman Benjamin Dover, Man on the Scene, J.B. Horns, political commentator Taffy Tart, media personalities Travis Slaughter, conspiracy theory expert J. Elwood Compton III, paranormalist Murph Davies, Senator Stroller, political apologist Dr. Iggy, Christian ventriloquist Fred Gastro and his puppet Woody, and the strangely familiar Stocky Bear in his smelly, itchy costume. All of this at isthistomorrow.com. That's isthistomorrow.com. Uh, we're, uh, we're recording now. I just turned it on. So anything that happens is ha- it's just going to happen. we got a crowd outside now. The, the zoo, like the animals in the zoo, are going to perform now. We're ready. All right. Are we doing this? They're going to throw the red meat out here, and we're going to eat it. All right. We're back. We're back once again. That record got me high. We're at Laser Wolf Live. Hey, everyone outside. Laser Wolf, say Yay. Hey, hey. They're clapping. But they're outside. It's so take weird. My, take my word we're for like, it. Uh, clapping yeah, we're outside. like in a fishbowl. They're looking in at us. But we're with our special guest, Charlie Pickett. That's Barry Stock. That's Rob Elba. And before I go any further, I have to uh, do a shout out to our newest uh, Patreon member. By the way, you can go to you become a patron of the show by going to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH. Or just go to Patreon and search for That Record Got Me High. And our newest uh, Patreon member is Ted Barron. Ted Barron is the newest member. Thank you very much, Ted. Welcome Thank aboard. you, Ted. We have uh, John Mahoney. We have Paul Raub. We, uh, they're just they're coming and in like And if you like, do uh, decide to become a patron and at whatever level, and if you have a difficult to pronounce name, make sure that you put it phonetically so that Rob can say it Yeah, I have a problem air. with that. I have a problem with pronouncing it. Otherwise, he's gonna, it's going to be mangled and you're going to be sad. All right, so we're back. We're talking about the Gun Club and... Uh, Fire of Love. Fire of Love. Now, real quick, Charlie, we were talking about Jeffrey Lee Pierce, how he made... How old was he when he made this record? He was only 23 when he made this. Very mature work. Fucking young kids that are really good at doing something. I don't like that. They Um, don't know they can't. Nobody said maybe it. Maybe (laughs) it. Ah, so genius. But he actually had kind of a tragic uh, kind of. Let me say one more thing. Good. The this record is never loud. This record is very powerful, but it's never loud. If you really listen to the amps, no, nobody ever turns up more there's than no four. There's no screaming. There's no right. screaming. No, it's it's, it's right. very clear, and the, the the bass is linked up with the rhythm guitar all the time, and it's just yep. wonderful. And it there's is. very few leads on this. There's oh yeah, fills, yeah, right. But right. there's very few leads on this. There's, I would say, there's no traditional no. Like, no. lead breaks uh-uh. or anything. Absolutely no. not. You so, don't miss them, though. <laughs> no. Everything you is... You don't even yeah, notice. You miss nothing on this record. No. Nothing. It's uh, concise. It is... Uh, brevity is the art of wit. It's but it's full. It's completely It is. Incredible full. record. Yeah. yeah, it is. All right, so poor Jeffrey Lee Pierce. Uh, he died in uh, in 1996 of a brain hemorrhage at the age of, age of 37. He was only 37 yeah, years old. Yeah, but if it wasn't the brain hemorrhage, Well, he was, was suffering from cirrhosis and uh, hepati- chronic hepatitis yes. at the time, too. Which and there's there's two, a, you can sort of figure out what things cause both of those. Did you yeah. read that thing about Mark um, Lanigan? Mark Lanigan from the Screaming Trees, who was friends with him, he said in uh, in uh, in early 1996, uh, J- Jeffrey Lee went to Japan, and uh, right before that, we were writing songs. He said sometimes he seemed in good health, sometimes he wasn't, and uh, he left me a couple of messages. He said he sounded completely out of his mind, though not like he was drunk, like he'd gone crazy. It sounded like he'd gone crazy. And uh, he heard that he came back from Japan, and yeah. that he had uh, that he had started drinking again, and that his uh, his liver had poisoned his system, and uh, he was getting a, a, a dementia. He said he was right. getting dementia. So the hospital 
turned him away, saying there wasn't anything yeah, they could shot. do. There's nothing we could yeah, do. there's nothing they could do for him. So and that he was dying. And he said after this, he said I got a call from him, and he was in Utah, and he sounded normal. And he said to him, he said, "What the hell, man? Everyone's saying you're going to die." And he said, "Ah, they always say that." Yeah. Well. And then he said, and a week later, he yeah, was gone. A coma and yeah. So that's kind of tragic. Jeffrey Lee, goodbye, Jeffrey Lee. And uh, what song are we up to now? Oh, we're up to song number five. Another great song, For the Love of Ivy. Which starts off with, has an incredible opening line. Charlie, what's the opening line? Oh, shoot, Barry, you're calling me out. It's right here. You're calling me out. I want you to say it. There you go. You look just like an Elvis from hell. (laughs) (laughs) My heart is broken, so I'm going to hell. And the word hell is in caps because he shouts it out. Bury me way down deep in hell. I'm a steel driving man. I want to go to hell. And this song, and and you know that takes a lot of guts. It does to to, to not rhyme with hell. Just say hell, hell four <laughs> damn times That's in right. a row. That's right. I mean, it's it's amazing. And to dip back into the American folk archive for I'm a steel driving man. You know, for uh, uh, what's it, with John, John Henry. Henry? Sure. Yeah, hitting that hitting that and, hammer. And you know, and this one is where you know the, his cramps influence comes through. I well, mean, yeah. Just, now, what do you guys think this is about? Who do you think he's talking about? Do you think oh, he's talking about, about poison, poison ivy? He's talking about poison yeah. ivy. Sure. And then, and Lux Interior is the Elvis from Hell, right? Because right. he used to have that. Of big, course. Uh, yeah. Okay. And he's and he's doing El- He's doing Lux's voice at times. <laughs> yeah. And you know, yeah. this is his fun song. If there is such a thing on this record, this <laughs> right. is his fun song. It's fun yeah. song. Although it does the lyrics. Gonna buy me a graveyard of my own. Gonna kill everyone who ever done me wrong. Gonna buy me a gun just as long as my arm. Kill everyone who ever done me harm. Yeah. Oh, so good. And there is there's, there's also a lyric in here that's kind of uh, questionable these days. It would be Yeah, we're not going to read that verse. There. We're not going to read the verse. But... Uh, in his defense, there's a couple of there's a couple of times he uses. He's in character. He's playing a character. He's playing this southern gothic character, which yes, yeah, is. this is how which they're going to talk. Which he wasn't in any way, shape, or form. No, 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 not even close. <laughs> but he's southern good. California boy, come <laughs> right. on, all he's the way. Good at imitating that. He's got the vibe right. He understands the oh swamp, my God. the you know the heat now, and the right. Now this song in particular, I remember that show at the Blitz. Which was at the Blitz and uh, Hialeah with Charlie Pickett opening. The, the club was packed with people. I mean, it was packed with people, and they played this song. And I remember he did the part in it where he just goes, "Yeah," <laughs> like this. the one. And he did it exactly the way he did on the record. And I remember my friend Brian Dooley and me. We looked at each other and we went, "Oh my god!" Yeah. Yeah, oh, he, he really can do that. Yeah. Yes. He was great. He was, he was great. So great. Now that show, let's let, let me let me digress for just a second. Go ahead. First of all, like you say, Jeffrey Lee and uh, some other persons went off and did some other things. But you know, uh, Duckworth stuck around, and you know, Duckworth was a real pro around behind the stage and everything. Now, Patricia Morrison got made up. In her uh, Vampirilla? Is that yeah, how you vampire. say it? Vampirilla. Okay. Yeah, right. And, and she got made up in that. And then she she's a such a nice little Catholic girl. She sat behind the stage <laughs> and read uh, a romance novel. Really? You know, the, That's the, those real kind yeah, of sure. goofy sure. little... Uh, like at the checkout line of public. Oh, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> That's exactly. so awesome. She was gra- how great was She's a uh, very Patricia nice Morrison. girl. She was very nice. You speak to her and you she was very nice too. You wonder how hell did she get involved with these I was in the uh, Bags, the band called The Bags, right? Oh, okay, right? yeah, and then, yeah, uh, in LA. And then she yeah. played, and then who did she marry? Who is she married to, Barry? I don't know, sorry. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Dave Vanian. She married oh, to oh Dave Vanian from The Dam, that she played with The Dam for many years. Uh, see, I didn't uh, know that. Until they had a baby. She got pregnant. And, then, uh, she, that was that. Now she's, they've got a child together, and she's still and, married. And it kind of makes you wonder, was Dave uh, more straight than he gave off, or was she more <laughs> more wild than she gave off? I don't know. Well, the thing about, if you, if you haven't seen it, the Dam documentary, the interesting thing that comes out about Dave Vanian is they, they none of them know anything about him. Yes. Except <laughs> when he shows up. He's a singer of the damned, and then when they're done, he leaves and he goes and he does his own thing. Yes, and they're like, we don't know anything about it other than that. <laughs> wow! And I think he's more of just like a straight-laced family guy. <laughs> and he knows, but from dealing with these, you know, Captain Sensible and all these other characters, like I'm just gonna, you know what? I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna stick around home and right. let these guys do their thing. And when time to be in the damned. I'm on, but so, other than that, so no. at this point, Jeffrey Lee was was the wild the wild man. Yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. and and Duckworth was uh, playing the uh, you know was playing Sundance to his 
Paul Newman. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. Here's the train. Train's going by. Bright the, line. The fri- Hopefully, the no one's getting line. killed from it. The fright <laughs> What are we up to with the kill? <laughs> What's the kill count now, Chris? Uh, close to twenty. I think. 20 close yeah. to twenty. 20. Oh, Congratulations. Another Congratulations Florida mile. The bright line. Yeah. They should sponsor our podcast. There you go. <laughs> All right. So we're up to song number six, which is Fire Spirit. It's the last song on, uh, yep. on side one. Fire Spirit. This song really creep. Always creeped me out. Yeah, because it's about what is it about? It's about like this this um this satanic, has a, you know like what a satanic this ritual. has like a this got a, this has a little bit of a New Orleans feel where there's that juju that sort of uh, yeah, yeah, yeah and that's that's a you know CCR channel that a little bit too they he knew how to oh yeah he knew yeah. how to whether he knew anything about it he knew how to get that vibe and get it and it's got that uh, you know up to the mountain the fire spirit does sound like primal religious yes. stuff someone. We'll step out of the circle. It's like what? What's going on? Yeah, it's a magic yeah, circle. Yeah. yeah, it's not a. It's not. We're not talking about you know Southern Baptist Church. And there's some other great ry- rhythmic uh, instruments in this. You know, besides drums and just your usual stuff. It's it's very very empty and very very cool. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's true. Um, there's not. This album isn't dense. There's space in it, and which creates the atmosphere, which creates the, the power too. The, the power isn't from loud guitars, no, like he no. said before. The power is from the playing with conviction, with so much conviction, and yeah. the words. And, and Jeffrey Lee's mad way of singing and the mad, the mad yes. lyrics he's singing. Yes. So uh, we should mention also that there's a, a song by uh, the band Off. Um, punk rock band off uh, of uh, what's his name Keith uh, Morris Keith Morris right his band the, yeah they have a song called Jeffrey Lee Pierce which is a beautiful minute and 30 second homage to uh, he obviously loved Jeffrey Lee Pierce oh and, I didn't know that didn't oh know it's that. an incredible song yeah it's great I actually wrote a song called Goodbye Jeffrey Lee there you go did and you I did and I, and I want to play it again but I, you know what happened when you write, I wrote I wrote it a long time ago, and when you write songs like now, everything you got it on computer backed up. It's like I can't find yeah. the lyrics to, it and I can't remember oh, the, all the lyrics, God. and oh it drives me crazy. The lo- the lost hit. It, well, it's know. the lost. I liked it though. Ten. I cannot. No, no, no. I, I I know exactly how you feel. I played it at one of your shows. Like Charlie played a show at Churchill's. This is probably sometime in the early two thousands. You were doing a show. And it was when uh, Johnny Salton was back with you, playing with you, and I was just doing a little solo thing before you. And I played, I only played like three songs, but this is one of the songs I played. And I, I'll never forget one thing I remember about this night, which you, uh, you won't remember this specifically, but you've experienced this many times, was Johnny, like I was playing before you guys, and Johnny coming up to me, he goes, oh, you're playing good, and then he starts leaving, and then Charlie's going, no, Johnny, he's only playing a couple songs, because Johnny was, gonna, uh, was going uh, out, uh, he figured he had enough something. time, yeah, yeah, enough time. he had enough time, and Charlie's like, no, you don't have enough time. You gotta Charlie. stick around. Yeah, I remember that, oh, God. All right, well, let's, uh, let's get back to this record, we're flipping oh, it over. Uh, the bright line going the album. Uh, Opposite direction, and uh, <laughs> and we got Ghost on the Highway. Beautiful, beautiful song. This song actually reminds me of you, of Charlie Pickett, like uh, uh, a song you guys could play. And I think a lot of it's because of the drumming and the beat. And John, yes. your drummer, John Galway, the the late great John Galway, Johnny Sticks, uh, had a very similar style. Like yeah. this, he he could have played in this band. In the oh, play, right? absolutely, absolutely, because he had that. That same that swing that roots power, but also that punk. He could play really fast, yeah. and he yeah. could do. And and that's why this song definitely reminds Another me. Another one with like, the great opening opening couplet in this song. It's cloudy in the west. It looks like rain. My eyes are black holes, and I'm burning away. Then the next verse, you slaughtered your loving man, killed him in his sleep. The blood and crying of your murder simply stains your sheets. Now you're a ghost on the highway. Your gesture is meaningless. You're lost to the living man, trailing souls to the end. That's like, that's like, this, I, this reminds me of some of Hank Williams because Lost Highway, yeah. it's got, it's, right, it's right. just that with a much more uh, 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 violent streak, but listen to that Hank song, you know, 
Talk about how you end up on the hellbound on the highway. It, it's it's more apparent mad- madness. Than <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, and, and, and yeah. you're right. That song, that that lyric, your gestures meaning less. Ooh. I mean, doesn't that stick with you for oh. years? Oh yeah, yeah man. Yeah. Stunning record. Nothing and also he says, do. "I hate you, I hate you, but, but I, love I love you." you. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. This is his um femme fatale. I feel like uh, yeah. because he's talking about a girl, right? Maybe the same woman from uh, um on the in the. Uh, she's like heroin to me. She's uh, oh, it's definitely the same woman as <laughs> three or four times. <laughs> yeah, in this record. right. Yeah. See, me and Barry, we always get get to that. Like sometimes in records, like are they talking about? Well, the we same did figure. Girl? Oh, right. When we did the Dream Syndicate, we and Rob, you went and researched it and found out. Yes, yeah, they are all, all, the all a one. Girl. They're all about Kendra. But then, like, but then <laughs> we also said it about the my dad is dead guy, and he, he told was like, us nah. we we're full of shit. But so. he could have been lying, right, Mark? <laughs> That's true. He could have just been making shit up, right? Uh, he said we, we could have been shit. right. All right, so we get song number eight is Jack. Oh, look at that. DJ Skidmark. And we Fausto's got all the too. famous all the local. luminaries here. Yeah, exactly. Also Figueredo. I see a guy with a ponytail, but it's not Bill Howard. It's someone else. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you got to right. pay for that. Song number eight is... No, wait, 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 wait. That's the hardest-hitting drummer I've ever seen in my life. Fausto, you're getting Fausto compliments. Absolutely, absolutely the hardest-hitting do drummer do I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. only going to make his head bigger. Don't do he's it. one edit, You're going to have to edit this out. All right, we're up to Jack, <laughs> Jack on Fire. And for The only thing I ever edit out is is my own fuck-up, just so we're clear. <laughs> I told Charlie that. Never mind, just yours. <laughs> All right, for, for Pixies, for fans of the Pixies, listen to this song specifically, Jack on Fire. Yeah. And then you'll realize, oh, okay, that's yeah. where, because this, especially a Come On Pilgrim era, era um, Pixies, this had to influence Black Francis, because the way he sings this, is exactly like something on Come On Pilgrim. Uh, and he says, um, and when you, I love the line, when you fall in love with me, we can dig a hole by the willow tree. Then I will fuck you until you die. Bury you and kiss this town goodbye. <laughs> it will be unhappy, it will be sad, but it will be understood that I am bad. So don't you go and lie to me, because every day is judgment day with me. It's uh, like the guy from uh, No Country for Old Men, like the killer. Yes. It's like you get to flip the coin. You know, this is a very important coin flip. Right, right. <laughs> um, such a good song. Absolutely. Jack on fire. It's got that. It's also another one. It's not. It's it's very like. Um, it's, it's loping. It's, yeah, yes. it's, exactly. This is a loping one. Everything, but it's just even the loping songs. They have such power and uh, such. Uh, really, I implore you that that uh, Brady. I was talking to you earlier. You better listen. Get this guy. Yeah, it's on, it's on Spotify. It. It's or on you Spotify. Can, I'm it sure is. you can just find it on YouTube too. Yeah. It's you know. You'll thank me. You'll thank me. And then the next song, which is. Uh, we're getting bring waved at. Oh, Brady! That was Brady. Still there here. I'm not mad at you anymore. That was the guy. I was got mad at him. I got actually mad at him for not knowing who the Gun Club was. But he promised me he's gonna listen. To Next track. I, I never get to say this because Rob always is the timekeeper, but. Uh, Black Train is the next tune, and it harkens. There's some Elvis in there. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, there's yeah, yeah. A, one of the guitar riffs is definitely off of um, uh, uh, what's the Elvis Train song? Um, um, Lonesome Train. Lonesome Train, and it's that riff is hidden in here. Oh, he really? plays it a couple. Yeah, I'm like, damn. Uh, listen to Elvis. So they heard the, you know, they were listening to that early Elvis stuff, and like, oh, that's. That, there's a little bit of that template in there, too. Ward, Ward Dodson definitely listened to, uh, to Elvis' guitar players. And, and uh, you know, if you listen to Ward's later band, the uh, Pontiac Brothers. It's, oh, yeah. There, there you go. Uh, you know, smart man. And, Look at you guys uh, throwing out these refer- these rock and roll references. Man. Yeah, you just know. A, uh, just, a, just a wonderful guy. Well, any train song, there's a lot of... There's a, there's That's a tradition <laughs> of train songs. And so you go... I went and I, and I filtered all my songs in my iTunes library by train. And, you know, train kept a rolling. And then there's, you know, there's multiple versions of that. And then you got uh, 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 blues songs with there's always the train is leaving or the train is coming. Either the baby's coming on the train or the baby's leaving on the train. Or with Sonny Boy, he's going on the train to spy on his girlfriend. <laughs> so that's always a trick with Sonny Boy is that he's, uh, he's uh, not very trusting of his uh, female companions. But they're all... 
train references, and here a, we go. You have a train song. Do you have a train song? Didn't you guys have a train song, or didn't you do a train song? Oh, we know? do East Coast Railway. No, I'm talking to Charlie. <laughs> I was looking at you, but I was talking to Charlie. <laughs> yeah. You see we what did. I have to put up with? <laughs> we no, These I'm deceptive, sorry. devious men. <laughs> we did Phantom Train. Phantom Train. Paranoid fantasies yes. are not right, all exactly. fantasies. Which the counter rhythm, Barry, to, to, to uh, you're exactly right. The counter rhythm is Lonesome Train. So, don't, uh, don't. Yeah, exactly. Train don't song tell, needs to sound like this. Don't train. tell Barry he's exactly right. That's as bad as killing <laughs> Fausto. He's a good drummer. It's, there we go. It never, doesn't lead to anything good. Oh, this uh, tr- Black Train also features another use of the term, which was no longer permitted. And it even wasn't permitted at the time, but, no, but he, he goes down that he road. Got it, he, got it, he got away with it. And nobody, I've I never heard anyone no, call him out on that. I don't think so, because I think he's in character. And I think he's doing the, he's playing the, an outlaw. Uh, um, you know, a murder, yeah. murderous outlaw running away. And, and you know, uh, what was it they used to say about the Indians? If you acted insane, they wouldn't kill you. Uh, this is in the 1800s. You, you know, if you acted nuts. Well, Jeffrey Lee, hmm, yeah, acted definitely. nuts. <laughs> he did. He and did. so, uh, you know, maybe. Yeah. That's and whether it was acting or not is. I think eventually he may have actually been nuts. But. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean. To face it, to be this, to do this, to sort this out, to be that character, whether yeah. it was a character or not, you you not you're not gonna be a normal dude and do that. No, and not do it and do it the way he did it, which no. is never half-assed. He, ne- I don't think he ever assumed that this amount of history was gonna get in touch with. He was never gonna be this big, right. and when he became this big, and he became such a big guy in Europe. I think he he actually merged into the fictional image, the oh, the, yeah, okay. the the on stage persona, and that's a danger. It's a big danger, a danger. and. Yeah. and uh, you know, look. I struggle with it every day. <laughs> because, you know, the podcast is getting so popular and I struggle with it. So, Can you hear my sign? <laughs> but anyway, he. he I, I think it, it was part part of what destroyed him. Right? Yeah, well, you, you believe your never believe your own press. No, you don't. You shouldn't. Um, <laughs> all right, so song number ten is a now Tommy Johnson. We were talking yeah, about Tommy right. Johnson and not Robert Johnson, but Tommy Johnson. Cool drink of water. It's a, the traditional, which I guess is this a traditional? So does that no, mean Tommy? Maybe- uh, the first reference, I you know that Tommy. Had a hit, whatever was considered a hit back in the 1929 or whatever this. Yeah, 26, 20, 20, 20, wow, yeah, something wow. like that. And you know, I asked for water, she gave me gasoline. Well, there's a story about the other Johnson, how he died. Well, he was poisoned, right? He was drinking, and some jealous man or put poison in his uh, drink, and so being poisoned wasn't all that out of the realm of possibility. So. Um, you know, he asked her for water, and she was mad with him, and she brought it. That's gasoline. And most people would know this song because of the Howlin' Wolf version, which right. ostensibly written by Willie Dixon, but he definitely, you know. Oh, lift, lift, lift. Yeah, right. I went to the depot, looked up on the board. I asked the conductor, how long has this eastbound train been gone? I asked the conductor, could I ride the blinds? Uh, Son, buy your ticket, for that train ain't none of mine. At Lordy, Lord, Lord. <laughs> And he's and he got does, the imagery. I mean, he gets he gets the the that Delta imagery. Having he, he was never I don't know he was never there before he wrote this stuff. I can't no. imagine. And Jeffrey was. Lee Pierce is crooning in this song. He's got that crooning falsetto oh, thing down. It's it's just so good. It's so good. Uh, it's and it's, it's got that swampy again. This is another one that has that. Swampy and the, it's where if you haven't the Tommy Johnson song is is uh, where that. We were Charlie was demonstrating the uh, the falsetto hitting that fall high falsetto yes. note uh, is at where Jeffrey Lee gets it. It's where he picks it up from that. Absolutely, it's where he did. Right, yeah. right. there's no doubt about that. Yeah. This, I recommend because he does it the same way. Exactly, exactly the same way. The same way. Yeah. I recommend this song, "Cool Drink of Water." Listening to it, sitting back, drinking some whiskey or some drinking gasoline some or some gasoline. Yeah, maybe you're. Uh, maybe I'll do that tonight. No, Lisa, well, we got two my diff- whiskey for poison. And, uh, right. Well, we got two different. Two different. She'll finally, be done with you. <laughs> That's what yeah. I'm saying. Right. <laughs> All right, so we get to the final song on the record, Goodbye Johnny, which 
I, we can't, we can't, uh, by the way, I didn't mention, Charlie Pickett, uh, with uh, the history he has, he has a brand new record out now called uh, See You in Miami, and it's available on, I guess Amazon's probably the best place to get yeah, it. Yeah, sure. Amazon on YNT Records, See You in Miami, and it's got a song on there called So Long, Johnny. Good. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so but he long, said, Johnny. but he, it's called, officially it's called So Long, Johnny, but you say goodbye, Johnny. That's right. And uh, Peter Buck. Uh, Peter Buck wrote, wrote it about, about Johnny the Salton. Great, the late, great Johnny Salton, another uh, member, original member of uh, Charlie Pickett and the Eggs. And uh, this song, Goodbye Johnny, so I don't I don't think this is about... We loved we loved this because we came out and at, at this point in time we were calling, we were already calling Johnny, Johnny too bad. You know? Oh! And so, you know, <laughs> when we would be riding in the van, we would, yeah. we would be Johnny too bad. You right, know? right, right. And, uh, so this this song played right into it, <laughs> right into the whole imagery, and uh, uh, Jill Kahn loved it, and uh, yeah, you know, it just was perfect. You know, look what uh, uh, look what's been done, John. Oh. It's coming out of the east like rain, Johnny. Look what's been done, John. It's coming like a god with no name, Johnny. Oh, it's so it's great. good, and uh, it's a it's a goodbye song. Yeah, it really yes. is. Yeah, yeah. And right. and and just as sex beat is like, hello, welcome to the gun club. Goodbye, Goodbye Johnny, Johnny is. Uh, bye bye. We're leaving you now. Perfect. Out. A really great yeah, uh, ending to the record. And uh, it says uh, the last uh, last uh, stanza is what slips so deep into me, I can never get it out of me. I'm all broke up, Johnny. It's all just pulling me down. Yeah. And I think he was. I think that, that you know, he was 23 years old. You know what though? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Sometimes that sometimes those guys like that, the art just takes over and it tears them to pieces. Well, but it Charlie, makes some great stuff. Before Charlie it. knows about that more than uh, more than a lot of people. And uh, I just want to. All right, so that's it. That's the last song on the record. By the way, we finished the record. But I wanted one other thing. I wanted to bring up, which I don't know. It's a weird thing to bring up now, but. Um, Sometime in the 80s. This is, I'll be putting some Mr. Rogers music in the back of this. <laughs> uh, just something that I, I had remembered when I knew we were going to do this. That sometime in the 80s, I was, I was living up in Boston. And you were touring, Charlie, you were touring with... Um, uh, must, which record came out? Were you touring uh, Route... Uh, it might have been touring Route 33. Or, Route 33. Or, uh, so I saw you at the Rat, at the Rats Gallery yeah. in Boston. We went and saw you. And you had a new band. It's like it wasn't, there wasn't Johnny Sticks, there wasn't Johnny Song. You had these guys that I didn't know. So So we were touring Route 33. All right, you were touring. So uh, you came back and you saw me and Dan, and we said, hey, Charlie, what's going on? I said, Charlie, what's with the band? And then Charlie, you remember you said, "Uh, I just got tired of uh, playing with junkies. And then me and I'll never forget, me and Dan looked. I know that's kind of heavy to say that. I'm sorry, Charlie, but you said it. But me and Dan looked at each other and we said, those new guys, they don't look like junkies. <laughs> so does Charlie not know? Do they just look like junkies? Or does Charlie not know they're junkies? Yeah. I, I have a Charlie Pickett story from the 80s as well, which you have never heard, I'm sure. So I was living with Mike, a guy named Mike Kostick up in Stewart in 87, yeah, who uh, started a record company, and he put out some half-Japanese records and Maureen Tucker records, records etc., and so um, I had Those this. Those are all around the world now. That's he does. He feel. sells records in Spain, and I think he's got the best retirement of anybody I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I was playing bass for for Mo, Maureen Tucker, and then Costa goes, "Hey uh, Barry, uh, we're gonna head down to uh, Miami this weekend. Uh, here, Charlie Pickett's is uh, he's looking for a bass player. So uh, yeah, maybe so. Grab you, bring your bass down, and we'll see. If maybe we can uh, get you to audition for Charlie Pickett. Really, I never yeah, heard so. this story. <laughs> so me and Costic, he had like a he had like a Datsun. So me and Costic drive down from Stewart to to Miami. Stop at Open Books and Records, you know, which is on there on One Sixty Third Street when Leslie had it. You know, the sure. bad, bad air conditioning always hot in there. And so all like we were there for like twenty four or thirty six hours. And like the, you were never around, and no audition was ever happened. And then so late, like we get back to Stewart, and somehow I think Costic's girlfriend said to me, "Oh, you know, we heard that Charlie Pickett said you were too much of an artiste." And I was like, "Really? How the fuck would anyone <laughs> oh, would I know? know? I, that's what I thought too." And I thought there was some some fucked up bullshit that was going on, which was not unusual around that scene, as a matter of fact. Sure. 
that somebody was stabbing somebody else in the back. But I thought it was so weird. Oh, you know, okay. Maybe I'm ready you had to, that soul patch already. I'm ready. To, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I can tell you, you know, if I'd have known how well you played slide guitar, I would have never played with well, you. I was ah! because really, I mean, you know, Vulo yeah. can outplay me on guitar Joey's now. Pragmatic, but he's you know, he's a it's like a, if I was to get Barry, you in the band. Oh my God, what would I do? Uh, yeah. that, now what do I do? I stand there and do nothing except sing. That's true. Good point. Excellent point. All right, so that's it. We did the Gun Club Fire Love. Charlie, yeah, would you so say the, this in record? In case you don't know, folks, in case you don't know, let me let me interrupt you. Barry can play the hell out of a slide guitar. He can. Uh, I know what story. good good slide playing good is from BS <laughs> BS slide playing. BS is also my initials, can, by the way. He can he can sure play the slide. Thank sorry. you, Charlie. All right, so we had. Uh, let's give it up one more time for Mr. Charlie Pickett being on that record. Got me eye podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming, Charlie. Would you yeah, say Charlie, this record fantastic. is like in your top top ten? I would say maybe oh, top yeah. ten records uh, of all time. Top ten, times? top ten for me. Sure. Okay, good. And uh, so definitely everyone, Charlie Pickett approved. Go out and get uh, Fire, Fire of Love, Love by the Gun Club, Club. and next Miami week, as well. What are we doing next week, Barry? We're doing uh, no, no means no, no with and, uh, Tony Qual with legendary load bassist Tony Qualls. And I must say. This record, uh, it's called Wrong, and you can't find it anywhere. You can listen to it on YouTube. Yeah. It's not it's on obscure, Spotify. It's hard to find. But you can also buy it on, um, it's on Bandcamp, and the band has it up on Bandcamp. You would think, oh, it's an obscure record. It can't be really good, and blah, blah, I don't care. No means no. Means no. It is a fan. Fantastic record. So but I'm like, it's whoa, really hold on. Yeah. Why did I never hear this? Exactly. And so next week, no means no. Another, I can get mad at other people for not knowing this too. All right. Once again, uh, that's Barry Stock. That is Rob Elba. Where that record got me high. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you guys next week. We're out. Check one, two, one, two. There we go. Now it's decided to work. Okay. She said, don't have me. I don't know about you guys, but seriously, when I was 12, 11, and the Beatles said, and the Stones and the Kinks and Herman's Herberts was taking over the radio, I swear to God, I must have annoyed my parents oh, to death with well, right, speaking right. in that sacky, most preposterous <laughs> British oh, yeah. accent ever. <laughs> yeah. And it's a wonder they never... Criticized yeah, me or stole me right. to stop or anything. Well, I think I annoyed my parents because I, when I got into the Ramones, I started I I, I tore all the, the knees in my jeans. Oh yeah, <laughs> when they were new. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I just bought them from Sears. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna go pee and get out.